The strong wind was howling and whistling. He was the first Chinese citizen to graduate from Yale University in the mid-19th century. I was born on the 17th of November. She had prominent features. Three of us were old enough to lend a helping hand. He navigated between two vastly different cultures and moved further to realize his dream and promote understanding between the people of China and the United States. Ye Mingxing was a native of Hanyang. I realized no danger. China is really awakening. Come and join us in discovering the incredible journey of Yong Wang in his autobiography, My Life in China and America. Check out the audible stories on radio.cgtn.com and all major podcast platforms. Just search for the podcast Books and Beyond and find My Life in China and America. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable. Coming to you live from Beijing. I'm He Yang. Good to have you join us. The rise of new energy vehicles in China is bolstered by preferential policies, from tax credits to government subsidies. Such privileges, of course, are not enjoyed by traditional gas cars. Should traditional fossil fuel cars and new energy vehicles be treated equal? It seems like that's the path we're going. Or less, and four years into mandatory garbage sorting rolled out in Shanghai, the city has also seen a drop in the number of garbage cans available in public areas. With the absence of trash cans in sight, will there be more littering in the street? For today's program, I'm joined by Li Yi and Pearl. In the studio, welcome back, Pearl. Thank you. It's great to be back. Have you been? On vacation, and I say this with extreme jealous in mind. Oh yeah, I've been on vacation. I was in South Africa for about three weeks, oh, and it was wonderful. wonderful. The sun, everything, the beaches. I had to swim and enjoy the in the warm Indian Ocean because I'm from the East Coast in South Africa, in a city called. Oh, from a city called Durban. All right. Well, the jealousy brews in the heart of He Yang at the moment, but it's so beautiful to have you back in the studio, paired up with Li Yi, and we'll have a good discussion on today's show. I just know that. First on today's roundtable. China is a world leader in making and buying new energy vehicles. In just the past two years, the number of EVs sold annually in the country grew from 1.3 million to a whopping 6.8 million, making 2022 the eighth consecutive year in which China was the world's largest market for EVs. For comparison, the U.S. only sold about 800,000 EVs in 2022. A lot of the excitement in the EV market in China have stemmed from preferential policies and license privileges, such as government subsidies, tax、uh, credits, free from driving restrictions, and more. So, what happens if all that is taken away? And that's what we're going to talk about、uh, in today's discussion. First of all, though, Li Yi, please take up explainer duty to us. And what is going on now with a change as we sense it in the air with the policies? 
Sure. So basically, as you said earlier this year, we see that the China Passenger Car Association made a suggestion, saying that relevant national departments should unify the different car license plates of gasoline cars and new energy vehicles, and they expect this to become a reality in the next two years. And also, the association said this is aimed at giving the same rights to the two types of vehicles. So for those who Don't know the vehicle license system in China. I think the fact that gas-powered cars and, and EVs have different license plates can trigger debates, because as you said, Huiyang, usually EVs with their own green license plates can enjoy certain favorable policies, and this is somehow a government incentive to promote the use and sales of EVs. For example, you will be offered certain real cash subsidies if you buy an EV, and in Some cities, such as Beijing, there are certain driving limits based on the license plates. However, electric cars don't have to endure that driving restrictions. And now, some people are calling that maybe it's time to end that kind of differentiation, and we are calling for same rights, meaning that buyers of new energy vehicles will face the same traffic restrictions based on the last digit of the license plate numbers, and they may have the same chance of winning a car plate lottery, and also they have to pay the same. Purchase tax as buyers of gas-powered vehicles do, and so there's the suggestion, and that kind of suggestion has been existent for years, I think, especially for those car makers from the、uh, gas-powered cars, and they want this kind of same rights. However, for new energy vehicle makers, they want certain subsidies and favorable policies to be continued to support the sector, and also you can see definitely there are different reactions from. Um, regular consumers online. I mean, there are supporters saying that okay, it's time to end the subsid- subsidies, and we need a healthy and a sustainable market, both in the EV and also gas-powered cars. And however, there are also people who are against this kind of suggestion, saying that. The new energy vehicle sector in China still need to be promoted by certain kind of policies and government-dominated、um, measurements. So there are different reactions, and、uh, especially the earlier this 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 year, I think we've seen a major price war between、uh, car makers of electric cars and also gas-powered cars. So somehow the competition has become fiercer. In meantime, there are there are more drivers of、uh, EVs, so people are discussing. Discussing this kind of favorable policies, and still, it, whether it's time to end those policies. Yes, indeed, and in fact, the subsidies for EVs has already stopped for a large part, and that does affect people's decisions because previously, all that money was given to from the government to the car makers, and therefore, you know, the、uh, customer would enjoy the sticker price minus. All that amount of money, and that's how it benefits the car makers as well as the customer in that sense. And that's gone now with all those other measures that Li Yi just mentioned to us. And does it make buying a green energy vehicle less favorable then?、Um, Pearl, I'm not sure if you're aware of all these intricacies of buying and driving a new energy car in China, but given the fact that the sale of、uh, new energy cars 
coming from China has been up and up. And um, now there are some reasons behind it. So what was your like knee-jerk reaction listening to all this? I've learned a lot. I mean, listening um, to all this discussion, uh, as well as, you know, having read um, prior to coming to this uh, discussion, having read a few articles about um, what China does to or has done to encourage um, consumers to buy more uh, NEV vehicles or in, well, some people call it just simply electric vehicles. And here in China, it's uh, new electric vehicles. And uh, it's been encouraging because what I've seen is that South Africa is now starting to move in that direction where it's considering and discussing actually discussing their government papers that have been issued as well as the papers or proposals from uh, the industry itself where they are suggesting what um, incentives to provide to consumers as well as um, um, car makers to encourage production of um, uh, NEVs as well as uh, giving uh, buyers incentives to buy or choose uh, electric vehicles and uh, move away uh, from uh, fossil fuel-powered cars, which uh, we have a large number of in South Africa. I think about 12 million cars in South Africa are uh, largely um, fossil fuel-powered cars. We use petrol or what? in the U.S. Call, they call gasoline mm-hmm. and uh, also diesel. So uh, the government has also made commitments, just like many other countries around the world, to reduce emissions and uh, move towards a more um, cleaner energy. So going for incentives to encourage people to buy more um, electric vehicles is one way of dealing uh, with uh, carbon emissions. Yes, indeed. And we see here in China um, the growth of new energy cars is exponential and people's acceptance towards them towards them has grown in a similar fashion, despite the fact that um, some people might say, oh, the green car plate, which is visible, you know, stuck at the back of the car, is not so pretty, maybe. And some even using self-deprecating humor, saying that, oh, that looks tacky. But now I think people, well, actually, with the fact that um, because getting a car in a big city is something kind of difficult for a lot of folks, if especially if you're like a newcomer to the city, because it's not like you can just walk into a car dealership, get a new car, pay for it, and off you drive at home. Because with within the big cities in China, you need to get the car license plate first and then get the car. And there's a restricted number of these car number plates. Different cities apply a different system. In Beijing, for example, um, you basically apply and wait in the queue. And the queue could be as long as nine years to, to, to get a green uh, license plate, which is the new energy license plate. And, well... For Shanghai, for example, then there's a lot of, well, no, there's a bidding system. So basically, whoever can, um, 
well, place the highest price in the bid, then you win the bidding war, and therefore you can get the license plate. And that's how the traditional car uh, combustion car license plate system works. Therefore, when you have the new energy car license plate into when you put that like parallel to that pool, and then you know there's initially a very small queue, and then it makes that that's determining people's uh, enthusiasm in getting a new energy car, for example. So these intricacies of the measures that Li Yi just spilled out for us from the top, they do affect people's uh, decision making in what kind of car they will get alongside, um, you know, the price and a whole bunch of other things. And Li Yi, could you also just give us a little bit more of an analysis on, yes, all this is uh, how this is all playing in the minds to the uh, car owners or potential car owners in this country. So uh, what you just mentioned, like the license plate lottery system, is actually a very important factor to be considered here that there are suggestions about unifying different license plates of gas powered cars and also electric cars because, you know, at the first place, as you said, maybe some big cities like Beijing, they introduced this kind of lottery system to really curb the growth rate of new automobiles. And they want this process to be really slow. So for, uh, for those people who want to own a car, you have to participate that lottery to own a license plate. And under the system, maybe like potential car buyers have to participate in this lottery every two months for a purchase permit. So for the so 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 the question is that for the owner or the potential buyer of a gas powered car, the odds of winning a plate are super small. Because mm. I checked the latest data is that the odds of um, owning or winning a gas a gasoline car plate is only like 0.1% in Beijing right now. So that means <gasps> about but one in a thousand can get a gas car license plate. So think about that, how small odds can be. So that's why, you know, when we are trying to promote electric cars to regular consumers, government try to introduce a separate pool yeah. in terms of license plate lottery. And at the first place, you know, it can be really quick if you if you apply a EV car plate. It can be like a few months or even one year or two year. But now in 2019, you have to wait for eight years for a new energy vehicle plate license. Mm -hmm. So that's the question because some people are saying that when you have enough potential buyer of EV, of electric cars, are those favorable policies still effective as mm. before? Because as first place, you want to introduce this kind of incentive to um, con convince shoppers that, you know, to embrace this kind of new and familiar technology, mm. this kind of new vehicles. So that's kind of a uh, encouragement you can see. But now, obviously, you can see more people are already abandoning, abandoning to buy a traditional conventional gas gasoline car. More people are applying for this new vehicle cars. So are those policies still effective as they are supposed to be? So, so that is one reason that uh, there are suggestions of really unifying this kind of differentiation. Yeah, so is it time that we say, well, blue, that's traditional combustion car uh, license plates should enjoy the same treatment as the green, well, new energy vehicle license plates. 
I actually like the different colors. <laughs> the blue and the green. <laughs> I didn't, Not pink. When I first noticed it uh, after get, uh, arriving here, yeah. um, I did ask, why do you have to yeah. come in the different plates? And it was explained to me. So I found it very interesting. Uh, but in terms of treatment, uh, I think it may be time because people are now familiar with the NEVs. Mm. So it's now like not difficult for consumers to make the decision to go green in terms of cars. Uh, whereas when you look at South Africa, it's still hard to do that because first of all, we have a low purchasing power. And so a lot needs to be done to incentivize um, consumers to buy NEVs, which are not that widely accessible or available right now. So a lot needs, to, a lot more work needs to be done. And um, South Africa can look up to, or can look to China to see what uh, some of the policies that China has implemented that worked for the country. And um, so maybe p perhaps that could be one direction that um, South Africa can go. But like I said earlier, there are proposals uh, for incentives to be made available for car makers as well as uh, buyers. And uh, also in terms of infrastructure, like charging infrastructure, mm -hmm. that's another that's challenging one. area yeah. in South Africa because we do have uh, an electricity shortage problem and so once you have all these charging points it will be a problem for people to have electricity when it's time for like say load shedding which is something that is happening right now at certain times when uh, um, the system is under pressure the grid is under pressure the government does or the our energy regulator mm -hmm. it cuts off uh, power which is called load shedding, to release the pressure and then uh, it will bring it back at, a, at, at another time. Yeah. Um, so we have those challenges right now, but there are charging points. I think, well, yeah. we can't compare to China, but we do have more than 100 right now. So in terms of figures, we have one charging point per four cars, uh, per four NEVs in right. South Africa right now. Th those are the numbers that I came across when I was reading up on what is happening in South Africa. Yeah, that's really interesting. And that is key to whether another key to whether people want to buy EVs. Um, and this uh, is probably an op opportune time if I can bring in just a small fact about one big trend that's happening in the American EV market, which which I have to say, I don't very much agree with. Anyhow, so anybody who's got EV, who's bought an EV, probably have range anxiety. Or like anybody who's got a smartphone has got, what do you call that, battery anxiety or whatever it is. So basically, you know, you worry about how much longer does your device or in this case, your EV can go. And if there is no charging pole, pole in uh, nearby, then that becomes a problem, right? And um, to sort that out in many countries, including China, what has been done is basically to include access points to charging your electric vehicle. And in the US, apparently now, the big trend is getting big bigger car batteries so now like when you go to the auto the latest auto show in the u.s um the the uh ev model that's really popular there is the huge electric suv and then or like uh electric monster trucks and stuff like that and then 
if so, so well, that, Americans love big cars. They do, so and then it's like, it what、sense. about the environment? And yeah, so so anyway, th- there's that trend going on over there,、um, and we're seeing here in China that certainly there has been this、um, rapid development of EV makers, and also in the first quarter there was this sort of like eruption of a price war. Within the EV market, when you've got so many new EV startups, all coming up with new models and competing at the Shanghai Auto Show, apparently this time the new models of EV ha- has、uh, has surpassed that of traditional combustion char- cars. So. You can see the popularity there, and when you've got more choices in the market, more competition in the market, you know what happens. Usually, there's a reduction in prices, and、uh, I suppose that's good news for the consumer, but also for the car makers. Well, the story is a little bit different because apparently some of them are saying that. The startups are relying on new capital, right? And in this general climate, it's not so easy to get that hot capital in. And then it's the traditional legacy car makers that they can rely on the sale and the revenue of traditional cars to make up for the losses in selling. New energy vehicles, so it's really complicated what's going on in the market in that sense, but also with this possible change in the treatment of the different license plates, the different cars, electric or not, on the road, then the future might look a little bit. Precarious or uncertain, you know, for the industry. What do you think? I think definitely the withdrawal of this all these favorable policies will bring fiercer competition to the sector of、uh, vehicle, either for gasoline vehicle maker and also electric car maker. But the thing is that meantime, you have to notice that the willingness of Buying this kind of new energy vehicles has been increasing in China、yeah. because traditionally, when you're looking at those people who would like to buy a new energy vehicle, are majorly those people who live in cities like Beijing and Shanghai, which have certain、uh, license plate lottery system. They can't see any hope in having a gasoline car license plate, so that's why they are turning to buy. A new energy vehicle, but now when you look at those figures, obviously the, the percentage of buyers who live in those cities who don't have such restrictions are increasing. So that means electric cars it has its own attractiveness to regular consumers. So I think that's why,、um, as a national strategy, I think China is considering like canceling all these kind of policies because maybe we want to make sure the whole sector can develop in a healthy and a sustainable way. But、uh, but of course we know that the more sub- subsidies are the better for those startup companies. Of course, as you said. But meantime, it means that ma- a lot of new energy vehicle makers they rely on these subsidies,、yeah. and they can't really think of the best technology to bring their own or core attractiveness of his own vehicles. So that's why I think it's 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 a complicated issue. But、yeah. overall, I think of course we have to have the state. At, at the end of the day, you 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 think so?、Yeah. Interesting. Just let me also offer just a quick、uh, another fact to support what you just said.、Um, Tesla, which is a new energy vehicle company that everybody knows around the world,、um, it has a car plant here in China, and also it is very much liked by some car makers,、uh, car buyers,、um, not everyone, but. 
uh, Tesla, an American company, also enjoys these new energy vehicle subsidies from the Chinese government. So it's a level playing field in that sense that um, you know all、uh, car makers in the market. Are supported by the government in that sense because China is serious about its environmental goals, and we see the environmental challenges as such. And therefore,、um, a lot of these policies has、um, bolstered and promoted the growth of EVs in this country. And Pearl, you had something to share a minute ago. Sorry, I didn't. I butted in just like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Just to、uh, maybe piggyback on on on. What Lee said. Earlier point, yeah. Earlier point, yeah. That、uh, while we are focusing on the the four wheelers, if I can say that, in terms of、uh, EVs, what I've noticed is that in Africa, there's a move. Even though the market's still low when it comes to NEVs or electric vehicles, there is a move to boost the two wheelers and three wheeler、um, market where. Countries like China,、uh, not China, Kenya in East Africa,、mm. there there's a lot of、uh, interest in using two wheelers because a lot of people use two wheelers for like public transportation,、mm-hmm. and、um, and some countries also use three wheelers, and so in that in that part of the world where two wheelers are like motorbikes. Are、yeah. popular or scooters are popular.、Um, they are going towards purchasing or introducing the production of uh, electric uh, motorbikes. All right.、Mm. Yeah. So、um, it it sounds like everything's going electric these days. Well, it does affect many sectors, and also the improvement of the battery technology is key to a lot of this. And this is also one interesting area that Chinese. Car makers have really invested a lot into and seen really promising improvement, and also this is all making Chinese new energy vehicles all more visible internationally as some of these companies are going abroad right now.、Uh, you're listening to Roundtable. We'll be back with more discussion. Don't you go away. Ddive, a podcast of CGTN Radio. Go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, Ha Young. I'm joined by Li Yi and Pearl in the studio. Coming up, Shanghai apparently has seen a reduction in the number of public garbage cans. With the absence of trash cans in sight, will there be more or less littering in the street? And interestingly, humans are the only animals to cry tears. We explore why we cry. And what health benefits crying may have? Our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcast. If you're there and you're so inclined, please give us a five star review. And we don't see the comments; we just can't respond to them. But it means a lot when you leave a message. And Pearl, we've seen all these lovely messages.、Um, people really like your opinion、Thank、and you. what you have to share on the show. 
Well, I appreciate everyone listening and you know participating wherever they're listening. If they're listening online, they sh- should send questions. Also, we'll yes. respond to them. That would be great. Very good point. Um, you can do that. Uh, we love the audio questions and uh, clips, obviously, because we're a radio show and it rolls into a podcast. And emails will do if that's what you feel like um, to get in contact with us. And there's a place to do that. EZFMRoundtable at foxmail.com is where you can always find us. And now let's move on to our next topic discussion. Shanghai has entered its fourth year in garbage sorting regulations. Some local residents have noticed fewer garbage cans in public areas. Garbage sorting is definitely a good in- initiative for recycling, but is it a necessary reason to reduce the number of waste bins in public areas to improve the cityscape? I have to admit, initially I couldn't connect the two. So you have less number of public garbage cans in the streets, and that's supposed to help out the garbage sorting system in the city. Lee, help us out here again. Fill us in, please. So recently, basically, a reporter from the media outlet The Paper conducted a little survey, visiting many road sections in various districts of Shanghai city to observe the number of trash cans in public areas. And for example, on Yongji Road in Yangpu District, there are various like shops, schools along the street. However, there are no trash cans along the 500-meter section of the road. And instead, there is a community garbage recycling and a sorting station, and there are two sanitation workers.、Mm. And also on Mao Ming North Road in Jing'an District, there are many restaurants nearby with a good flow of people. However, it's not easy to find a Trash can along the road, but meantime the street is very clean. So basically, it said it said that in the city of Shanghai, there there are not as many as garbage cans as imagined. However, the city. Remained to be clean, and maybe that's because of a policy launched by the city, like in 2019, because the city stepped up efforts to optimize and adjust trash cans in public areas. And since then, the number of dustbins in public areas in multiple、uh, regions was reduced by nearly half. So here we got some data showing that in 2019 there were 62,000 public waste bins in Shanghai, but then. By the first half of 2022, the number was reduced to 36,000, and then there were a little efforts to make some、um, modification. You know, by the end of 2022, the number of waste bins was optimized to 38,000 overall.、Uh, it's not a huge number compared to before. Yeah, but there was this small uptick, so that it's like, oh, the local government, municipality government, is responding to your concern. And sure, if you think that's too little a number, we'll add a little bit more to that. But you see the general trend, Pearl.、Um, how would you review this? I think that's a general trend around the world, where they reduce the number of bins,、yeah. and then after a while. 
when people call, after people have like raised complaints, then they increase the number. Because I saw in um, in LA a few years back a similar in situ- the US. Yes, in the US okay. in Los Angeles, there was a, a case where they had like sixty thousand uh, trash cans, and they that went down to about a thousand for like a twelve ki- uh, square kilometer area, and then you have. Um, in a city like London, they had, uh, I think, 46 bins or 46 trash cans Only for 46? a, a 20, uh, 2.9 ah. square kilometer uh, area. Okay. So it seems like that's something that happens all over the world where cities decide, okay, let's reduce the number of trash cans and place them sparsely um, so that the city looks beautiful or Oh, this area looks beautiful. But then people, when they are moving, they are always mobile. You have millions of people moving around the city. People drink their coffee while they are on the run. They eat a sandwich while on the run. It's it's a problem when they have to stop and look for a trash can. Like, where can I find a trash can? I'm busy. I'm on a rush. Where can I throw this trash away and then they just decide to drop it somewhere some people would do that i wouldn't do that i'll put it in don't my bag don't do that period I'll put it in my bag yeah, or everybody. my pocket <laughs> but yeah. some people do do that they will decide oh i can't find a bin okay fine it serves them right let me throw it here or leave it here so well, then what do you think is the problem then is it that people should um have better lettering habits or maybe I mean, what's the purpose of having the reduction in the number of garbage cans? Let's take a look at Shanghai as well as the world. So mm-hmm. what about Shanghai first? I think Shanghai, basically, they are trying to raise awareness about reducing waste fundamentally mm-hmm. because it's a very different approach when you address like uh, reducing waste and reducing garbage. And, no- and normally people would think that if we have more garbage bins, then maybe it's better for the environment. But obviously, they're taking a different approach. So that's a very good way to raise awareness. And in the meantime, uh, I think officials of the city are encouraging people like, for example, if you want to eat on the street of Shanghai, perhaps there are large chances that you will produce a certain amount of garbage. However, maybe you can choose not to eat on the street or in public. And or if you produce some sort of garbage during the whole process, you can take them home where you can do a very good uh, garbage sorting, you know, in your community. And maybe that's also better for the whole uh, garbage recycling process. Because obviously on the street, there isn't really like a specific staff to supervise everyone to effectively do the garbage sorting system, right? Mm. So there can be chances that people somehow throw the wrong garbage into the wrong uh, basin. So that can just cause more troubles for the, like the end of this whole industry chain. You know, people can spend uh, spend more time in sorting this garbage in the end. So that's why also in the city of Shanghai, I think uh, it's a mandatory approach to do garbage sorting so in your community in your residential building area you have to do this thing in the right way so maybe people are thinking thinking that maybe that's a good approach to do a better thing for the environment right and and actually uh well yeah shanghai beijing are are both doing this and shanghai was the first mega city to engage seriously in mandatory garbage sorting and lee i 
suppose that you offer a really rosy picture, but there are some darker sides, actually, when some people, including that reporter we just mentioned uh, in the story, that found, well, actually, sometimes when people um, in Shanghai, when can't they can't find a dustbin, like what Pearl said earlier on, they'll just leave it behind and just, you know, they don't even look around sometimes, just... Yeah, and and you see like these uh, face covers or, or what do you call these things? Face masks, face masks and stuff yeah. like that. That that is such um, an indicator of this day and age we live in. So that being thrown around and stuff, and and certainly that doesn't look good, and it's mm. not good. But there's also there are also other more serious reasons. Mm-hmm. Not to say the ones that oh, have yeah, been the, stated yes. are not serious. Um, there are also other serious reasons that have been um, noted in uh, as a result or contributing factors to reducing the number of trash cans in cities. Illegal dumping is one of them. Mm. Some people may dump things that are toxic in the in the trash cans, which may cause harm to other residents or people in the city. And uh, or even people that are working with trash, sorting out trash for the city or disposing of the trash for the city, it may be dangerous to them. There's also the issue of security. If you remember back in uh, Boston, oh, we oh. had that incident and in, in, in Tokyo, Japan. yes. Yeah. It's uh, Lon- actually it was London, Boston and Tokyo where we've had incidents where people have actually placed bombs um, in trash cans that have ended up that ended up uh, injuring or killing a number of people. So there are dangers. But, I mean, that can happen anywhere, of course, we know that. But uh, I think uh, those two are also some of the reasons that causes, or the reasons, yeah, that cause cities to reduce the number of trash cans around. Yes, and I will add another footnote to what uh, Pearl just said there. Um, Initially in Shanghai in, uh, was it 22? Before 2020, I suppose, when the garbage sorting um, policy was first implemented on a wide scale, um, yes, it was suggested that the public garbage cans near the residential areas, so not within, but close by, uh, should be reduced in number because you, you get some people who might want to uh, who don't want to sort out the garbage and then if they can find a public garbage can somewhere else and just tuck it over there. So to stop that from happening, a reduction in number. And also, um, it's interesting that you brought up the international examples as such. And for anybody who's visited Japan, the tourists uh, might be might find it to be a little bit of a mystery of the absence of rubbish bins and for the fact that uh, visitors may struggle to dispose their trash on the way. And what uh, has given uh, the fact that uh, this exists is one of the, that's the 1995 tragic sarin gas attack which occurred in Tokyo and uh, in the Tokyo subway station actually and many trash cans were removed from public places around Japan to avoid a similar tragedy understandably and then also Japanese people are just very aware of their responsibility for their cash most people don't leave their cash in public and take it home with them to dispose by themselves it's also part of the japanese culture and probably the biggest secret behind the the extraordinarily 
uh, cleanness of the country when you've got these mega cities in Japan and they're just so incredibly clean and people don't eat. As they go, is it Japan where they charge people, find people for littering? I wouldn't be surprised, I I but I, something about I'm not it, sure yeah. about that. And actually, in Japan,、um, if you want to、uh, look for these these dustbins, they're either in like public malls or nearby vending machines, and they're crazy about vending machines in that country. And apparently, because Japanese people. I, I don't know why they don't eat as they go. Therefore, after they buy something, they would just eat it, like right next to the vending machine, and then throw the trash away. Also, by sorting out in different categories of cat、uh, of trash, excuse me, and、um, and therefore, usually when people are on the move, they don't have that much cat、uh, trash. Excuse me, what are you thinking about? You probably need some of that.、Uh, anyway, money. <laughs> <laughs> so therefore,、um, yeah, people are very aware about、um, not try not to produce that much trash. Also, you know where to throw these things when they are around. So, do you think in China, possibly with this reduction in number of trash cans, can we cultivate better habits of throwing trash, sorting out trash, and how we produce stuff that we don't want? And you know that's going to end up on a landfill or rarely in a recycling facility. I'm not really sure if this kind of policy will help to cultivate better habits of、uh, citizens in China because I sort of feel like it's like a egg or chicken question because somehow you need you know your citizens to have certain good habits before you want to fully abandon those. All those trash bins in the city because meantime you know those trash bins, although they just sit there every day quietly, they are. Relevant to everyone's daily life because we can all like walk on the street from day to day, and so you have to consider the question of convenience, right? For example, if not everyone is used to take their trash away back home, maybe for an, an elderly person or a new mom with a, a baby、oh. and carrying a lot of things, and somehow they want to throw certain things, and however they can't find a trash bin on the street, and meantime they don't. Know that they're supposed to bring their trash back home, and that can cause inconvenience for people. So I would say first, first of all, if we want to really accelerate the whole process and promote the whole process, meantime we have to make sure we do enough efforts to cultivate people. We have to. You know, do enough work to educate people to let them know that maybe there are different ways to handle your trash, or maybe we can offer certain public dust bins,、um, maybe in a shopping mall or in some like、um, subway station where people can find alternative way when you have nowhere to handle your trash. Well, that's exactly what's going on right now. Those are the areas where you can definitely find a trash can in China and in Japan as well. But it's like also. You know, on the street,、um, I, I still have faith in in people's ability to be persuaded long term.、Um, I, I have huge huge faith in this. Actually,、uh, Pearl is、uh, shaking her head. So please hold that thought. No, actually, no. Please spill it out right now. No, I actually do agree that when you have more trash cans out there, people will be encouraged to throw out more, and they will learn that. 
you need to put trash in the bin and not throw it around. So I think show and tell is very important. When they see a trash can, they know it's to put rubbish in it. When you when they don't see it, then they think, oh, then we can just throw it around anywhere. Okay, I'm just gonna be aggressive here. We're not animals. So what you think when you don't when you not see a garbage can, you think that what I'm just gonna barbarically throw stuff around? Do you spit in your own home? Do you? You do not. So Let therefore, in public, you shouldn't do that either. Let me say just one thing. One of the sayings that people back in South Africa say is that, oh, if I'm throwing something or leaving it out in the open, not in the trash can, it's creating job opportunities, which oh, is yeah. wrong. But people say so that terrible. and that's yeah. so ignorant, I think. Yeah. Oh, th- that is a really good point. And also, you know, with the trash cans, they don't just exist in a vacuum. When it fills up, somebody has to go and clean it, right? Somebody has to uh, to empty it. And also, um, my point here is that if you don't, maybe, yeah, it's like, do you think that people have reached that level that now we can start uh, sending out messages, cultivating the habit that it's not like you see a trash can, you should throw stuff in, but now it's like there's already too much trash in our country, too much trash in this world that is doing harm to our environment and therefore we should produce less. Um, well, that's kind of my way of seeing it. But Pearl is obviously disagreeing, so please uh, share your opinion. I still believe in more trash cans around Mm -hmm. so that people can be taught and encouraged, especially if you're coming from an area or a family that's never taught you that you need to throw trash in a trash bin or trash can. How are you going to learn? You learn at school and we all go to, well, if you uh, attend school, which is uh, compulsory for the first nine years, uh, if you're a Chinese person. And we all learn that from school. But And 12 years if you're a South African. Yes, well, I think it's good to get these numbers out, you know. Um, so also, this is something to do, in my opinion, possibly with your sense of ownership, like what I referred to just now. Um, if you don't spit at home, do you spit in your home city? Do you? If you see your home city as an extension of your home, that you claim ownership, that this is my space, then you should have the pride and the idea that, you know, I want to keep it clean. Also, I want to cause extra trouble for the sanitary worker who we've all seen and and they do really hard work. Do you want to add on to their uh, workload? Probably not. So therefore... Um, how do you see this ownership issue uh, within your city? You know, maybe that has something to do with how we behave as well. Of course, I think it definitely depends on the level of education when you're about to roll out this kind of policy in certain area because you can't make sure everyone knows the best about how to deal with the trash in the best way. And even though they know well about it, you can't make sure that they can really behave themselves in public, especially when there's no one else. So I'm saying that that's why we need education. In the meantime, we also need punishment policy. So so, so you see, that's two parallel roads to make sure this thing can work out eventually, because uh, somehow in Beijing and in, in Shanghai, in some cities, we, have, we already have these policies to, you know, give certain punishment if you litter 
in the carriage of subways. I think that's very effective measures. In the meantime, you can't say that we're having these punishment measures because we don't have enough education. I think they are two different things. Yeah, and it also takes a little bit of time for these policies to really get into the heads of people and. Mold behavior, possibly. You're listening to Roundtable. Coming up next, why is it good to shed a few tears? Well, it detoxifies the body for starters, and it could be good for the mind too. Stay tuned to find out more on that. Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable. Where East meets West, and understanding is the goal. It's the hour of roundtable with myself, Hu Yang. I'm joined by Li Yi and Pearl in the studio. A recent post has been trending on lifestyle sharing app Red. A woman was surprised that her traditional Chinese medicine doctor recommended crying for half an hour every day to assuage her depressive mood, and also some. TCM was prescribed as well, just to make that clear. So,、um, yeah, did it surprise you at all that、um, crying could be good for you, Pearl? No, it didn't surprise <laughs> me. I know it's it's cathartic. It's、um, you know it cleanses you inside when you cry,、um, yeah. physically and mentally. Physically and mentally. I mean, if you're feeling frustrated and you start crying after that. Wailing, you do feel a bit refreshed, and you know the load is a is off your back a bit. I right. Think so, and, and also a place to do that、uh, matters. So, why do people cry? That might be a well. Walk us through it then. Oh、uh, well, if we want to explain why people exactly cry, maybe there can be three types of scenario. First one is、uh, cry can help people, you know, help your eyes moist every. Time a person blinks, and meantime there there can be like、um, crying can be triggered by like wind, smoke, or onions, and the third and also the most common one would be it can be emotional cry. You know, you just want to cry when you feel sad or too anxious or simply experience a burnout. But for me, I think crying is really a good thing because usually, you know, maybe when mentioning cry, we people usually regard it as a negative emotion. You know, people. Are saying that you are just being weak when you cry. However, I think it's just a one common way of handling your emotion. Because I re- I remember very clearly, you know, once upon a time I listened to a podcast where、uh, they have a professional therapist as their guest, and they were talking about emotion management. And、uh, somehow we believe that therapists they are very good at you know handling their emotion. So the host asks one question to that therapy that would you cry from time to time because. Since you are a therapist, maybe you don't want to cry at all. You can handle all your emotions very well. Surprisingly, that therapist said that yes, I cry a lot of time, and I know exactly when I need to cry. For example, if I experience a lot of bad things today, I may just want to, you know, make a schedule that maybe I need a two-hour cry at home when I go back to home because that's my way of handling bad emotions. So you、mm. see, you know, even for professional therapists, they consider crying as an effective way. To handle their emotion. So, what are the benefits of crying then? Yeah, you do feel refreshed after a session of crying. I think, and、uh, also in some African countries, they have、uh, something that's called、uh, funeral criers. 
We have that in Dongbei in China, in yeah, the north, so, north uh, eastern part of China. Yeah, so people just go and moan at these funerals. Do they, they get, get paid? paid. Yeah, yeah. Some, oh, like, there you in go. Ghana, Similarity. they get paid. So I, I think I would do very well in that industry because I can just cry at the drop of a hat. You can? I can. You don't need triggers? Look at my eyes right now. I've been. <laughs> I, I thought you were just particularly moved by what I just said. <laughs> I just moved myself. <laughs> and it's very interesting because yeah. when I was younger at school, I, I auditioned for like um, our drama school or whatever class. Mm -hmm. And one, the first thing they asked us, the teacher asked us, was, "Can you cry?" So she asked everyone to cry. So I was like. That's silly. I'm Out not going to do that. But now, as I'm as I got older, I realized it's something that I can actually do just like that, very easily. <laughs> yeah. Well, now we know there's one hidden trick that you can pull out of your sleeve whenever you want. <laughs> My superpower. Yeah. There you go. Um, certainly, I agree that uh, crying has this cathartic effect on you. It can be soothing for you. It helps to relieve pain. And it can even enhance the mood. I don't schedule for crying sessions because I can't do that. Just, just can't. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not Pearl, obviously. So I need a trigger. And I sometimes would, um, I, I know there are some songs that, well, I don't really necessarily think that, okay, I'm scheduling to cry. But it's more like, I want to feel, I want to heal. Do you cry when you watch a movie? Like a real good tearjerker. Uh, yes, and um, actually, I cry at the things that people find impossible. Uh, I cry when I watch the Transformers. I cry when I watch the most recent cry session I had was Slam Dunk, the first Slam Dunk movie. I did not expect this, Pearl. Don't look at me as I am a lunatic. I'm a cryer myself. So oh, oh, oh good, good, good. Okay, we're on the same camp. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> judging. No judgments over here. Judgment free on Roundtable. So, yeah, when I walked into the, the theater and go see that movie and just the minute when these characters who I've dreamed, I've read about for more than 20 years is something like along those lines and you know in, in the Japanese manga that everybody in my class in elementary school um, traded and read and read at the time and now they're on screen and the story was really really good and everything so you know that moment was so moving for me and I had a and I was like, I can feel the, the tears welling up. And then that was such a good feeling. And I just let it out. And it was the best feeling in a, a month. Good. Um, so, good so, so, so that kind of thing. It's good to cry. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, from time to time. And if you do that excessively, if there's like, if it happens every day or something like that then maybe it's time to seek help somebody, professional yes, help that somebody. kind of thing yes thank you so much pearl and lee for joining the discussion i'm he young we'll see you next time <laughs>